Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. I'm Pastor Rob. It's so good to be here with you today. Those join us as well online and at our campuses in Muskego and Waterford. I want to say welcome to them also. You know, there's some events in life that are once-in-a-lifetime events that we get to be a part of. Maybe for you, you have this favorite, favorite band and you got to go to their farewell tour, you know, knowing, hey, it's going to be the last time I'm going to see them. And there were just all kinds of people around you. Anybody have that opportunity? Okay, yeah, yeah. Probably even a better one, right, would be something like this. The championship game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Anybody get the privilege of going to that game? Yeah, that's what I thought. None of us could afford those tickets. Okay, all right, yeah. Or maybe the Green Bay Packers, right? Or let's dream a little bit. The greatest miracle of all, if the Milwaukee Brewers would ever win the World Series. Yeah, that's not gonna happen, okay. Not anytime soon, probably. Maybe it's a victory party for your favorite candidate. Maybe that'll happen a little bit later this week even. Or something maybe a little bit simpler, right? Like a graduation party or the reception after the wedding. But they have all kinds of words that you can use to describe those events. A lot of times they're just downright exciting or uh, electric is a word that might be used because there's a buzz there that this crowd that has gathered, it just creates along with it. And it's like, wow, it's just so fun to be a part of that. You know, those, I wouldn't miss it for the world type of event. Can you think of an event like that? Have you ever been, how many have been a part of something like that before? It's like, man, I would never have missed this. Yeah. I can't help but think that that's what the first day of Holy Week must have been like. I just have to believe that. The Sunday that kicked off Holy Week is Palm Sunday. Today, today is Palm Sunday. And 2,000 years ago, what happened is Jesus came into town He came into Jerusalem riding a donkey as they took palm branches, cut them from the trees, and laid them down on the road that he traveled. And there's a reason it's called Holy Week because that's not the only event. That one would be powerful in and of itself. But then on Thursday, Monday, Thursday, have you heard that term? Monday, Thursday, right? You're confused. Is it Monday or is it Thursday? Yeah, okay. Monday, Thursday was known for when Jesus sat down with his disciples and they had their last supper together. Their last supper before he would be crucified. Because that was Thursday. And on Friday, we have Good Friday, which some of us scratch our heads and say, what's so good about Good Friday? Because that's when Jesus was nailed to a cross. We're gonna celebrate that though. Because it's the love that we celebrate. It's not the death itself. So be here with us for Good Friday services this week, Friday. And then the day we can't wait for, right? That Sunday, a week from today, is what? Are you serious? Let's try that again. Is what? Easter. That's the pinnacle of it all, right? That is wow. That is, that is the really life event right there. 
But today is what? Today is Palm Sunday. And I want you to put yourself right in the midst of Palm Sunday, to be right there as we see these events unfold. You see, it had to be electrifying. Jesus had been holding back the crowds for a while. And the way he would do that is this. He would do miracles, like major miracles. He would heal the sick, the diseased, and the blind. And then he would do something very strange. He'd say, and don't tell anybody. Anybody else get confused when you read that? Like, what's up with that? I mean, doesn't he want his popularity, like, to skyrocket? He's like, don't, don't tell anybody. And then he would do miracles, and then he'd pull away for a while into solitude. And then when he was asked about it, he would just give this simple answer. He would say, it's not my time yet. But now it was his time. That would all change. That would all change during this week because now it was his time. With that, like I said, it would be different. The Jesus difference was becoming a reality and it would culminate during these days, these few days, but not in the way that everyone thought it would. Which begs a question I think we all have to wrestle with. And it's this, what happens when the Jesus difference is not the difference that you were anticipating or desiring? Let that sink deep into your heart. Let me ask it again. What happens when the Jesus difference is not the difference you were anticipating or desiring? It's not the difference that you want, in other words. Because that's what we're going to find here on Palm Sunday. Like I said, I want you to put yourself right in the thick of it. See, the belief that Jesus might be the promised Messiah was taking hold. And what better time for him to reach his peak of popularity than during a time when Jerusalem, where he was headed, would swell in numbers, not because of him, but because of something called Passover was taking place. And so he comes riding into town, and we see it in Matthew chapter 21. Let me ask you, grab a Bible, turn to Matthew 21. Physical Bible, it's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, the first recorded gospel there. If you don't have a physical Bible and you've never downloaded the Bible app, let me tell you, do it right now. You can get to it easily through the QR code. Just click on the button that says verse of the day. That's okay. You can get on your phone right now, all right? I'm gonna ask you to get on your phone, in fact, a couple times during service. But open up this passage of Matthew chapter 21, and we're gonna start in verse one. And we're just gonna read the first few verses um, together, or first one through five. To start with, it says, as they approached Jerusalem, it's talking about Jesus and his followers, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, well, let's pause right there. Who wants to be those two guys? Jesus is telling me to steal donkeys. And there might be someone who asks me what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't like that idea. He has a fix for it, okay, he does. He says, if anyone says anything to you, so he's kind of preparing them. 
He says, say that the Lord needs them. Like, yeah, like, right, like that's gonna do anything. And he says, and he'll send them right away. Oh, good, okay, yeah, let's do this, right? This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, when Jesus came on Palm Sunday, he came with confirmation. Confirmation because what had happened here, you might have just noted in there, said this had to happen. Did you catch that in there? said, this had to happen. Here's why it had to happen. Because 500 years before this, a guy by the name of Zechariah said it was going to happen 500 years before it did. We see that in Zechariah chapter nine, verse number nine. He says this, say to the daughter of Zion, see if this sounds familiar to you, okay? Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is one one of over 300 specific prophecies that could not be missed about Jesus himself that he would fulfill in this lifetime. This is just one of them. Imagine what this would be like. Again, you're there and you have this moment, right? Where it's like, I think I learned that in history class. Something about our king riding in on a donkey. What's that gonna do to your faith? It's something that maybe you thought, no, no, because that's the Messiah. That's, that's Jesus, the one who's gonna save us. And, and you begin to think, that's never gonna happen in my lifetime. And so something that you've quickly dismissed, you begin to see it happen right in front of your very eyes, right? The excitement begins to well up inside of you because you know it's reassuring when a prediction comes true. It gives confirmation that what has been said is truth. And what it does to your faith is it validates your faith that something you've hoped for for years and that you've trusted in is actually happening right here and right now in front of you. Well, that confirmation would turn immediately into celebration is what would happen. Because that's what happens when our faith is validated. We receive this, this, this joy that we just can't control anymore. So again, imagine yourself in this crowd. And there's gonna be two crowds that become one. You see, you have this crowd of people who've been following Jesus, and then you have this crowd of people who have heard about Jesus but haven't met him yet, and they're gonna come out of the city of Jerusalem, and so Jesus and his followers are gonna meet, and it's gonna be one big crowd is what's gonna happen. And we're gonna see what happens next here. Drop down to verse number six, where we left off there, Matthew chapter 21. But this time, verse number six, he brings resolution to this whole donkey thing. It says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
Celebration was gonna begin to break out here is what was gonna happen. It was already becoming very visual for each and every one of them. To this point, we saw it, right? Wasn't it great when the kids walked around the auditorium waving these palm branches? I don't know about you, I could get used to some of these right now, couldn't you? I want myself a palm tree right now, right? They'd cut these off. They would cut them off and drop them on the road. And then they would take their cloaks off, it says, and they would take them and they put them down on the road. Why? They were creating a red carpet moment. We call it red carpet. But when a ruler would come into town, this was their way of honoring, of respecting, and the most of all of saying, you are welcome here. We have been waiting for you. Where would you be in that crowd? You see, that crowd was made up of many different types of people. Some of them totally embraced Jesus already. In fact, they had been following him. Wherever he went, they would go. I imagine they immediately put their coats down, right? But that wasn't the only type of person that was there. There were others who, maybe they were intrigued, right? But, but a little skeptical, and they're like, do I really wanna get it dirty? Do I really? You know, the first group was saying, man, I'm putting it down because I want Jesus to touch that. In fact, he doesn't even have to touch it, even if it's the donkey that touches it, but then Jesus has touched it, right? And they were quick to embrace. And then there are others who were like, I'm not sure if this Jesus guy is real. I'm not too sure about that. And then you had others, right? Probably like you and me. At some point in our lives, you were drugged there. Anybody else drugged there before? You are drugged to the event. I'm not saying you're drugged, okay? No incrimination here, all right? All right? But you were pushed, pulled. Mom said, we're going. Spouse said, we're not missing this. We're going. And then they elbow you. Come on, what? Put your coat down. And you're like, I'm not putting my coat down. What are you talking about? No way. I'm not putting it down. You don't know how much I paid for this. I'm not having some donkey walk on my coat. Would you put your coat down? Who would you have been in that crowd? Would you even be in that crowd? Would you embrace Jesus? Would you take a I'll wait and see moment for a while? Would you say, no, nah, he's a threat to me and everything I know. I don't know if I want him in my life. You see, these were real people, real people. They weren't fake. Real people in a real place experiencing something truly magnificent, much like you and me. Where would you find yourself in that crowd? It goes on, the celebration gets even bigger. This time we're gonna go over to John chapter 12, verse number 13. Matthew records this. But John chapter 12, verse number 13, I love it when this happens. This is our verse of the day. What do you mean verse of the day? Verse of the day is something that we as Fox have said, hey, let's all of us, let's together read at least one Bible verse every day. And so we've taken up a challenge. I'd encourage you, this is my invitation, if you haven't done it, to do it. In fact, you heard me talk about 
the Bible app, that's where you'll find it. And so again, if you haven't downloaded that, take time right now. But John, we see, records what happens next. John chapter 12, verse number 13. Would you read it with me? Together? They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Let's try that again, because that wasn't a shout. Let's try it again, ready? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Let's say that word again. Hosanna. You're not getting this. Let's try this again. I confused you, didn't I? I'll say it first and then I'll say it again, okay? Hosanna. Hosanna. How many of you are like, it's just not doing anything for me? Okay. Hosanna. 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 How many of you are still like, it's still not doing anything for me? Why not? Because we don't know what that word means. Right? How many have heard that word before? Yeah, how many use it every day in your English language? Yeah, just what I thought, why? Because this isn't, this isn't a translation. This is a transliteration. You might be like, translation, transliteration, who cares? See, a transliteration, what they did was they took the Greek word and they just gave you the English letters, that's all they did. And so Hosanna sounded like Hosanna. It's like, but I still have nothing. Okay, so what does it mean? It means save us. And we have an aha moment? Save us. Let's say it together. Hosanna. Some of you are saying, are we supposed to say Hosanna or save us? Let's say save us. Okay? Save us. Wow. You had crowds of people who believed their king had come and he was going to save them, but not in the way that he determined to. And what's it like when the Jesus difference is not the difference that you are anticipating or even wanting? Because that's where they would find themselves. They were pleading with him, save us. You see, Hosanna, it's not a common word. But what they were doing is they were praying this prayer that we find in Psalm chapter 118, verse 25 and 26, which says this, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How many could pray that prayer right there? God, save us and give us success. Absolutely. We want that. You see, what that helps us understand is this. The people were waiting for and wanting a savior that could save them from their oppression. You see, to be a Jewish person, they wanted a king that they had been promised and they believed their king had finally come. They had expectations. They had expectations for Jesus. Not much unlike your expectations and mine. How many have expectations relationally? Expectations of a spouse. How many have expectations of Jesus that he will make a difference in your marriage? I do. I expect him to change my wife, okay? I do. I do. I expect him to change me too, just a little though, all right? Man, do you have expectations of Jesus for your kids, your grandkids? They've been ratcheted up this week, haven't they? 
I have expectations that Jesus protects my kids when they're in school, a place that I think should be safe for them. I have expectations of Jesus. I have expectations of every relationship that I have that he'll reach in, even if they don't want him to, and turn their hearts towards him. And while he's at it, towards me too. I have expectations of Jesus. I have expectations of Jesus politically. I have expectations that Jesus will be involved in our country. I have expectations that he will place leaders in government that love him. If I'm honest, I have expectations of Jesus that he will put the perfect leader in place. Anybody else? And I'm gonna be sadly disappointed because there is no such thing. But it doesn't take away my expectations. I have expectations financially that he'll meet every need that I have. Can I be honest again? I have expectations of Jesus that he'll meet every want that I have, whether I need it or not. I expect a lot of Jesus. I have expectations of him physically, that I would never suffer, that my pains would go away, that when I pray and ask him to heal my friends from cancer, that he'll answer that just like that. I have those expectations. I do. I would think you do as well. What's your expectation of Jesus? Your big expectation of him. In other words, I want Jesus to what? What is it? Now some of you, I've been here, saying, I don't have any expectations of Jesus. And that's not good. Because do you realize what that means? You're wasting your time if you are praying at that point. Because if you have no expectations of Jesus, you have no faith. You have no trust. And you've given up on him. And he doesn't want you there. You see, Jesus says, come to me with your expectations. Ask, seek, knock. Keep coming, keep coming to me, keep coming to me, keep coming to me. Continue to come to me with those expectations. Jesus didn't push people away because they had bad expectations, wrong expectations. He didn't even push people away who had no expectations, but he didn't want to leave them there. And I say, why is that so important? Because Jesus makes a difference. So what difference are you asking him to make in your life? Because if Jesus is not making a difference in your life, then Jesus is absent from your life. And he wants to be in your life, making a difference in all those ways that we've talked about. But the greatest difference of all, he makes very plain and very clear. You see, Jesus wasn't coming to save them from their oppression. At least not yet. And it's not that he didn't care, it broke his heart. He didn't wanna see his people suffer. He doesn't wanna see us suffer. But Jesus had to come to save them from their sin. Jesus didn't come 
to make this world a better place, believe it or not. He came to save us from our sin. He came to save us, but not necessarily in the way that we want, right? You may say, how can you say that? Well, interesting thing about Matthew, just go from where we're at in 21, go back to Matthew chapter one. It's amazing how much you can get in that portion of scripture. Because when you back up to Matthew chapter one, you hear a conversation between an angel and a guy by the name of Joseph because Jesus wasn't born yet. And God needed to have this conversation with Joseph because Joseph had this fiance who was gonna have a baby and he found out it wasn't his baby and God was gonna really rock his world. He's gonna tell him, it's not your baby, but it's mine. Oh, okay, that makes things better, right? <laughs> now I gotta tell everybody else that and they're really gonna think I'm nuts. And so he sends an angel to tell him very specific instructions. And that angel comes to Joseph and he says this, she, who do you suppose she is? Come on, this is the easy one, Mary. This is a softball, guys, come on, hit it out of the park, all right? Mary, all right? So Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name, second part of the quiz? Jesus, good job, all right. And he gives the why. It's not a Hosanna thing, okay? It's not one of those things like, what in the world does that mean? He says, you'll give him the name Jesus, and here's why. Because he will save his people. And there's no period. He will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. That's why Palm Sunday was a huge deal. Not because of Passover, not because Jesus fulfilled that prophecy, but because of the prophecy he was gonna fulfill on Friday of that week. You see, Jesus didn't come to be an earthly king to just make this world a better place to live. He came so that he could go to the cross, making it possible for us to be a part of his kingdom, not ours, his kingdom now and forever ever for anyone who will place their faith and trust in him. That is amazing. That is amazing. What happens when the Jesus difference is not the difference you are anticipating or desiring, but it's better? Wouldn't you agree? It's better. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to save us from our sins? Yeah, that is better. That is the Jesus difference. So I want you to think about this. What if you're still holding on to? What if Jesus only gave us what we really wanted? And worse yet, we were satisfied with it so much that we never, that we never come to him. We miss it. We miss what he wants for us. We miss salvation because we're so caught up in Jesus making a difference in every other aspect of our life, but the one that matters the most, to have a relationship with him that starts with salvation from our sins. Jesus came to celebration, but he didn't come for celebration. He came for the cross. 
You see, the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, it would mark the beginning of something beautiful. As the week unfolds, Jesus would make the greatest difference of all, the difference of life, life with Jesus now and for all eternity. He would change the world. He would change our eternity at that moment. The Jesus difference they were looking for was not the one they received. They received much better. But timing's everything, isn't it? And that's why sometimes the other parts of the Jesus difference aren't so apparent. Because death does not look like life. But timing is everything. Because death had to precede life. Death came before resurrection. That means Good Friday has to come before Easter because it takes death to produce life. That's what Jesus did. So has Jesus made a difference for your eternity? And if you'd say yes, let me ask you this. Then who are you inviting to be here on Good Friday and Easter? Because we need to celebrate, don't we? We need to celebrate big time. And the celebration needs to be so big that there are people who are there that you drug here so they can receive the Jesus difference that they don't have right now. So they can receive life both now and for all eternity with Jesus. You've heard us talk about it. In fact, you'll see a number come up on the screen again. All it takes is take your phone out. Like I said, I'm gonna ask you a couple times, take your phone out today. Go this time, okay, to your text and text this number and just give us the name of one person that you're praying for to come so they might find Jesus. Just their first name. And this is what's gonna happen. This Wednesday, our staff, our pastors are gonna take time and we're gonna pray for every one of those names. We're gonna pray for people to come and experience the Jesus difference, to have their eternity changed so they will spend all eternity with Jesus rather than without him. Use invite cards. You'll see them in the back right there. You like the old-fashioned physical thing you can touch there? Yeah, there's stacks of them. Grab them. Give them out to friends, neighbors, coworkers, family members with an invite. Would you come and join me for Easter services? Why? So they can hear about Jesus and how he wants to be their savior. But again, what about you? Has Jesus made a difference yet for your eternity? Are you saved? If not, that's what he wants for you. He's always been wanting that for you. He wants a relationship with you so badly that he died for it. And he made a promise. We're gonna celebrate that promise at the end of service, which is right now. I'm gonna ask you to take, if you received it, the cup that you got on the way and Don't open it yet though, okay? Because I have a question still for you. Have you received the Jesus difference for your eternity? It's not gonna come through drinking this. Don't open it yet. I know, you're getting antsy, just hold it. Jesus, on that Friday, just four days after Palm Sunday, he would take a cup and he'd say, 
This is my blood, which was shed for you. Do you believe that? Have you received it? If not, I want you to take time right now to do so. It's not about drinking it. That'll be afterwards. It's about receiving the gift that he provided by shedding his blood on the cross to pay for your sin. And you say, how do I receive it? The moment we're gonna pray, and I'll lead you through a prayer if you'd like to, but it's you and God having a conversation, having your sins forgiven because he shed his blood for you. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're ready to receive Christ, Holy Spirit's been working in your heart. God's been knocking on that door saying, I have a gift for you. Now's the time to receive that gift. Just pray to him now, something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and that sin has broken my relationship with you. But I'm believing that you mean it when you say that you shed your blood so that I could be saved, so that my sins could be forgiven. And I wanna receive that right here and right now. I wanna be saved from my sin. Heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you, whether at our campuses, online, right here at our Waukesha campus, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Just indicate, I am trusting Christ today, Palm Sunday, as my savior. Just lift it high, thank you. Thank you, thank you, all right. Lord God, we praise you, we thank you for being our God, for loving us enough to die on a cross so that we could be saved. We praise you, we thank you for that. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everyone in agreement said, amen. Can you rejoice with me with those who made that decision to trust Christ as their savior? That was awesome. Jesus gathered his disciples together, rented a room, had one final supper together. This is not what saves you, but it shows you what does. Peel back that top layer, you'll find it there. You might have to pull down the tab first to get to it. Jesus simply took two elements. The first was bread. It says he tore that bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And he simply said this, take it, eat it and remember me. Let's remember together his sacrifice for us. After supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And it's a promise, it's a covenant that that blood is what it takes to pay for your sin. You've been cleansed if you have placed your faith your trust in my salvation. He said, take and remember me. Let's remember together. Lord God, it's an amazing thing how we can celebrate death because it's not about the death. It's about the salvation. It's about the sacrifice. It's about the love that you've shown us. We praise you and thank you for that love, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.
If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast. Oh, 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 oh